everyone. Look at me. Two weeks in a row, and we've got another concept, context, context、um, recording.、Uh, today I had a chat with、uh, Faruza, who is.、Um, <laughs> I'm really bad at these. <laughs> Just listen. <laughs> Okay. Can you hear my voice clear? Yes. Okay. Can you hear yourself? Yes, I, I can. Are you sure? <laughs> so, for context, like I said, I asked you to come today and just explain what life was like pre and then post Islam, Islamic Revolution. So, we know the revolution is officially started in 1979, Jan 7th. How old were you when the revolution kicked off?、Uh, I think I, I was 15, 15 years old. Let's say before January 7th. What was life like in Iran, just generally, for, and across social cultures? Because when I see photos from Iran pre 1979, it looks almost like Milan. It's very progressive, you know?、Um, it's sort of like Israel is seen in the Middle Eastern world. It's, very, it's a very progressive nation. Girls are wearing, you know, they're not wearing conservatory,、uh, conservative clothes, they're not wearing hijabs, there's nothing. It looks very modern. So, what do you actually remember growing up as far as that sort of stuff? Yeah, it,、uh, Iran, yeah, it was very、uh, economy wise,、um, fashion, education, everything. It was、uh, perfect. It was、uh, people, they were happy, they live happily and nicely. Would you say it was,、um, I mean, obviously what Iran became was a, a, you know, a, a, almost militaristic, like a regime you know, under Islam. How was it regarding different cultures in Iran? Like different cultures, different religions. Yeah, many different religious, and also myself, I'm Baha'i, I'm not Muslim. So,、uh, different religions, they, they were lived together happily and in the peace. Where, where, where in Iran were you? In,、uh, in Tehran. Okay. I live in Tehran. So,、yeah. you were in the hub of it, and、yeah, I mean, obviously, inter,、uh, inter religions and different cultures lived harmoniously. Well, growing up, Would you say that you had opportunity for, like for women, men, was sort of equal? Yeah, of course, yeah. Did you、But、grow up with the idea that you could,、um, like, I mean, you could go to school, you could do all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, of course. We were free for everything, for education,、uh, girls and boys together. They, yeah, everything, it was free. And, and yeah, we didn't think of after revolution, it was everything, it was change. I'm interested in your family base, like in Tehran when you were there. Yeah. Was the majority of your family there? Yeah,、base? yeah, we were lived together. My, I have two sisters and brothers. My brother, he was in Turkey study, but my two sisters and uh, uh, I and my parents, they, they lived together happily. Were they spread across the country or were they all focused in Tehran? Um. Uh, actually, we, for a while, because my father, he was in the、uh, general manager of the factory, Westinghouse.、Uh, so we have to move to another city, which is Hamedan. It, that、uh, city, it was a little bit religious.、Um, and,、uh, yeah, and my sisters, yeah, we all together, we lived there. We were together in、yeah. that city. Officially, the revolution started on the 7th. How much before the actual revolution kicking off, how much before did you feel it start to build up? I mean, were you noticing it? Yeah, of course. People, they just uh, uh, walking the street,、uh, fire the cinemas, the schools. As in burning things down? Burning down, yeah. Yeah, killing people. How much earlier would you say?、Uh, start maybe six, seven months. Before the revolution. So, before, say, so, we're at six months before the revolution. Before that, 
was it a gradual sort of thing? I mean, where you start, cause I mean, the whole revolution started obviously because of, um, you know, discontent with, uh, Pahlavi and the whole, the, cause it was a, it was like a, um, what's the word? It, it was a royal dynasty. You had a king. Mm-hmm. I know there was general discontent with, with the, the system and there was also like, um, uh, because Iran was pretty Western aligned, uh, from what I know. I mean, yeah. when you're growing up, were you watching movies with Elvis, or was that was that available to to people in Iran, like the Western sort of? Yes, yes. So you grew up with that whole sort of cultural thing, because I know politically Iran was Western aligned yeah. with America, and the discontent sort of started. So we're saying slowly, slowly, you know, six, seven months before it just started happening. Was it from nothing to violence immediately, or was it slow? I mean, did you start by seeing it on news, or how did it all sort of start? Yeah, probably slowly, slowly, but um, people, they didn't realize that. For yeah. example, me, I never realized that. On, uh, after people, they just uh, walk in the street and put the fire, and uh, you can see, for example, a teenager uh, people, they have gone. And uh, everyone's scared of them. Uh, uh, when you see that, you understand is something going on. Before that, I didn't realize that. Did you ever see people with weapons just in the street? Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, before the six months, or no, before six months, no, never, I'd never. So it was just sort of, yeah, slowly, slowly, just started slowly, seeing slowly. the presence. Yeah, probably it's something happening before that six months, but I didn't realize that people they didn't realize that. Would you say that's just because, I mean, you're Baha'i, obviously, so there was, um, every community would be closed off to some degree, but I mean, with the Baha'i, I'm, I'm assuming the Baha'i people weren't, um. Yeah, we don't uh, go to, for the. Like politically sort yeah, of we aligned. Don't, yeah, we don't go okay. for politically. Um, so it was just yeah, this anti-Western sort of sentiment, like the, the mood in Tehran was just starting to become very anti-Western. Cause I know, um, Khomeini was exiled at that at that time, and I know that the the Muslim sector was very unhappy with the fact that Khomeini was exiled. So it was, you know, um, so once once it started, it just became violent overnight. Yeah, just yeah, it started, and they asking for freedom because they they was thinking probably the Shah regime they don't have they don't they don't give them enough freedom. Did you think there were enough freedoms? Um, I mean, maybe not then because you're, you're 15, but I mean, yeah. even looking back now, do you have you, uh, actually, that's a question I want to ask you. This is very political question yeah. and I don't want to compare two regimes together. It is my, it's, it is not my business to compare this two regime. Um, but as I, my opinion, uh, I'm just asking now, uh, people are free. At the moment in Iran, and I say no, unfortunately no. Okay, because I mean I get different stories from from people I know who are uh, Iranian and they've gone back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dentist years ago was uh, a Persian girl, and she was married here, or she was about to get married, but she went back to Iran, and she had to go then and there when she told me she was going, because she was changing her name, and um, her partner was not. Uh, Iranian or Muslim, mm-hmm. and she didn't wear a hijab here or nothing. And um, the hijab is a very iconic thing. You know, when people see it, it it makes a statement about someone's religion. Mm-hmm. What I understand with Iran during the revolution was the hijab was a really big thing. It, it meant freedom to women almost, and women were really politicized mm-hmm. in the movement in Iran. Khomeini almost said that you know the women were responsible for the revolution. They helped the whole thing happen. As a 15-year-old, mm-hmm. I mean, you were Baha'i, so there was a clear sort of divide. How are you singled out during the start of it? Yeah. Uh, actually, that hijab, it's happened when I left Iran. So that hijab, it's not in one day they force pe- forced women to get their hijab. Okay. It takes actually two, uh, three years, four years after so- the revolution. Okay. Uh, force the woman to get the hijab. All right. So let's say, let's put it, that's something we haven't done yet. So put in a time frame. Day, day one, January 7th, 
1979. How long were you out after, as in once it started, how long did it take for you to get out? To get out of the Iran, me, we were just uh, 1981. So you lasted two years? Two years. In Iran? Yeah, in Iran. Uh, but my... my <laughs> She's just looking at a producer right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this during two years, I just, my mom and I stay in Iran. My sisters and my dad, they left earlier. How quickly, what was the plan for everyone? Uh, the plan just out of the Iran, but we couldn't go all together as a family. We have to go by by one. Okay. I'm assuming that the plan was always to go to Turkey? Uh, to go to Turkey. Is that just because you had family there already or? Uh, because it's closer one, and my my brother, he was studying there. Study the there, yeah, and my other sister also. She was studying in Turkey, become doctor. So uh, the Turkey, it was more closer to yeah. Iran also. How quickly did you make the plan to get out of? Like, I mean, I know it took you two years for you to get out. Yeah. But when did the first people start going? Uh, just next day, because the next day. Yeah, we just stay home, and we were. Very worried about my dad because he was in the factory. And after that, after uh, in the street, I just heard hearing uh, people saying, um, "Mr. Setsky, it's we killed him. We killed him." Uh, and after that, we just worried and we stay home. And after that, after five six hours, my dad he came home all in blood. And, uh, so why would why was your your father pers- why was he targeted? Because he was Baha'i. It's purely religious based. Yeah. No other reason. Yeah. And also because uh, he was a general manager in the factory and all the factory everything it was in her hands. So. So, do you remember <laughs> what time the re- I mean when the revolution started? How was it announced? How did you? Uh, from the. Uh, uh, Television. They say the Shah is gone, and now we are Islam, Republic Islam, and like that, like, like a, that, a like that. Yeah. How quickly was your father targeted after that? After uh, it was announced. After announced, uh, because in the morning, just my father just went for a walk, and uh, after two three hours, we just listened to the news, and everything it was changed. And in the street, our neighbors and things, they said they killed him. Yeah. yeah. So everything, it was so quick. You just sleep at night in the morning, everything, it was changed. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And uh, we couldn't stay in our place because people, they just came. We are going to put the fire in your place. So you have to go. So we just... Uh, Took a, a few things, clothing, yeah. nothing else, and I just we just went. And my father, he was injured, and it it was very bad. In, uh, but he said I can't go to hospital because people are just coming to look after me. Uh, so at night, at that thing, at night, my father, my uncle, actually, he came with the car and took my father to Tehran because Tehran is bigger city. Uh, so no one uh, recognized him. That's why. So he just went. Just that's yeah, it. Just gone. Just gone at that night, and we stay in our uh, relative, uh, not relative friends at that night. And uh, yeah, it was a scary night because, especially for me, fifteen years old, and suddenly everything it was changed, and I had a cat. Where is my cat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're 15. That's yeah, you're 15, for. yeah. Where is my school? What happened? That kind of question. Did you understand, I mean, what the revolution was about? Um, I mean, obviously you heard, you know, there's the, the discontent and, you know, the Shah is this and blah, blah, blah and yeah. anti-West and all that. But did you actually understand what was happening? Or was it just chaos? Uh, not really. I didn't understand why. Did, it, did you ask questions? Was it explained to you? Or you just didn't. Uh, have- no, because at uh, at that time, I just I was thinking of my family and yeah. what's going to be happen next. In that house that you were at, yeah. How many people were we talking about? 
as in that lived there, you said like your, your uh, siblings, etc. How many people Hi, was it all up? My house. Yeah. Uh, two sisters, my mom and dad. Okay, so what about the rest of the building or the rest of the block? Was it predominantly a Baha'i neighborhood or was it mixed? Uh, yeah, it was Baha'i in the Baha'i neighborhood, but they they were safe at them at that at that time. They were safe, and they just probably because of the factory and things. So because he was um. Because it was established and you know in a in a position of some form of power, yeah, you know, an influence. Yeah, he was targeted specifically. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, look, that that's pretty standard. Generally, I mean, it, even in like say with the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, when that happened, when the Khmer Rouge took over, you know, a communist sort of regime, they targeted intellectuals, teachers, aristocrats, anyone they thought was educated, anyone they thought had money, they mm-hmm. were the first to go, and it's it's always done like that. Yeah. So overnight. You've lost uh, how many people left from your house overnight, basically, to get out of where you were? Oh, we all. Everyone just left. Everyone yet left. Yeah, we couldn't stay because they said we are going to put up fire and uh, that kind of things. Yeah. So for the next two years, what was your life like? Yeah, after uh, after that, yeah, after a couple of days, uh, I just went to Tehran, joined my dad. And uh, my mom and other sister, they try to get some uh, some of our furniture and that kind of things because we had a very valuable carpet. Yeah, so, Persian rugs. <laughs> yeah, Persian rugs, uh, very expensive. At least they try to get one of those to survive. So I I think they did it. They get a few carpet from there. That's it. And uh, after uh, one week or. How many days? They just came to Tehran as well. And after that, uh, my dad planned uh, to first send my sister to um, uh, to overseas. He went to Spain. Uh, and my other sister also, she was married and they went to America. And my my dad, after... Two, two or three months after the revolution, he just went to Turkey. Was there a reason why one uh, sibling went to America? And was that planned for any reason? Just, just to get out, or just to get out? Which one is uh, available? The ticket and these things is available. They just went there. Was it hard buying flights out? Yes, yes. At that time, it was very hard to get the flight and out of the Iran. When, when you say hard. Is that just because, I mean, the new regime was controlling flights or because nothing was available because everyone was leaving? Uh, I mean, could they, were they going to stop you if you went to get a flight or did it have to happen? I mean, you didn't just call Qantas up and say, give me a plane ticket. I mean, how did it actually happen? Because I'm assuming it would have all been pretty chaotic in, the, in that time. Could you get a flight out and just wait or was it hard to get a flight because the government was controlling things? I think the government was controlling and, yeah. So you're about 16 years old at this point, and people are starting to fly out. What were you doing? I mean, were you still at school? Were yeah, you- I was in high school, so we just moved to Tehran. We just get a small apartment. It was in sixth floor, uh, and uh, and life starts from there. For me, it was different because uh, before that time, I had a driver to go to school, and um, we just we had a people to help us to go to shopping and that kind. Now, uh, I have to to get the bread. I have to go to a queue to get the bread for maybe two hours. Two hours? Yeah, to stay there and uh, wait for the bread. Uh, to get the food, I have to um, to get to go to the queue and uh, get the food. And uh, and that, that those kind of things is for first time happening yeah. to me and I had to grow up. How did you see it? Like, I mean, obviously over the next year, I mean, you were growing up, you, you were seeing it all play out. What was your feeling? I mean, obviously you knew your siblings were starting to move around and mm-hmm. was the plan to go to Turkey made clear at that point? Yeah. I knew I, I had to leave the country, but when and how? It was, it was still up yeah, in the air. Yeah. Were you able to continue... I mean, with your high school, you targeted. Were you targeted as an individual for over the next two years? 
Or were you left alone? Maybe because you were a woman or? No, at that time they didn't uh, force the woman to, to, to do anything. That kind of thing is what's normal. To go to a school, of course the school, it wasn't uh, boys and girls. This time just girls. So yeah, I just went to school and uh, tried to study because I, I knew I had to finish the high school and how old were you when you finally got out? Uh, I was 17. 17? Yeah. And at this point, how long had you been in Iran with just, was it your mother? Yeah. Just. How long had you been on your own? You mean with my... Once, once everyone left and you were the last two left? Yes. How long were you, just you two on your own? So it was in 79, they left. So from 79 to 81. Nearly two years. Oh, so everyone left pretty quickly and yeah. you were stuck for two years? Yes. Why were you stuck for two years? Um, because uh, um, really I don't know. We had to stay because uh, and after that the war started, there is no aeroplane or airport. It was shut down. So we were waiting for the aeroplane and things and finally we just realized that there is no aeroplane. So if you want to go out, you have to catch the bus. The bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> finally, in 1981, when I left Iran, I had to stay in bus for three nights and three days. So how did that happen? I mean, obviously you're communicating, I mean, with your father and with the relatives and all that, but I mean, with just you two left in Iran. Yeah. How did it get organized for you to leave? Uh, just they get the ticket for me and my mom stay in Iran. Stayed? I just, yeah. So you're by yourself? Yeah, by myself. Because one by one. Otherwise, if you go with the family, all the family with the surname, because they maybe they were looking for that surname. For whatever reason. Yeah, yeah for whatever reason. So we had to plan everything. We have to be careful. So, yeah, I just left by myself. And, yeah, it was scary. Three nights and three days in the bus. And in the bus, I just uh, meet a family, one lady with three small kids. So I, someone else? Or? Someone else. Yeah, someone else. And how, many, how many people were on this bus that you got on? Uh, bus. It's a big bus. How many people in the oh, bus? So like a, like a, you're talking about like a greyhound, like a big touring bus, yes, not a little yeah. van or something. No, no, no. Big, big bus. Maybe 30, 35 people. What could you my, take with you? Uh, just my suitcase. And I had... Uh, Money as well. Money? Yeah. Some what, do- how much money? Dollars, uh, maybe 10, 10, 20. 10, 20? Yeah. <laughs> as in, I'm assuming thousand? Yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was just, we try because we we need to take some money to Turkey for, for living. Were you questioned as to why you were leaving? Like when you got on the bus, I'm assuming you didn't just roll up the customs with a passport and say, I'm going. Mm-hmm. Were you questioned leaving Iran? Uh, or no, was... no, because at that time it was the war between Iraq and yeah. so people they were uh, busy with that war. Yeah, so they weren't going to notice you just slipping through. Yes, yeah, just seventy years old girl who wants to go to Turkey. Was um the whole journey just driving and just through the day and then sleeping and I mean. Was it literally just driving through? I don't even know what the borders look like from Iran to um, Turkey. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the, what does the landscape even look like. I mean, it's not like you got on the freeway and uh, went underneath tunnels and uh, the M1 to Geelong. It would uh, what would it actually look like? Like the entire journey for you? What kind yeah. of terrain was it? I mean, yeah. actually, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Easy, probably. Was the um was the feeling of war around you, like you were aware that there was a, a war going on? Because I mean, it was Iran, Iraq. It wasn't. It wasn't like when. Wh- this is the thing that sort of. This is the reason why I've, I've I've asked you to come on. People in Australia are so removed from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. We are so far away from the rest of the world. When things happen, you know, in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, people here don't know. They might see it on the news and then they see a clip about Kim Kardashian and they forget about it. They can't, people can't comprehend what war is like mm-hmm. or to be in a country that is at war. 
You know, we sent people to Afghanistan, we sent people to Iraq, we've sent people to so many different conflicts across for the last 20 years, but it's so far removed, it's not a reality. It's, it's, not, it's just a, oh, yeah. But as a 17-year-old girl on a bus without any family, $10,000 in a backpack, going to a country she's never been to before, you know, as in to, to move, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what the, and I can honestly say, I've, I've done as much reading as I can, but I can't actually live it. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I really want to understand what it was like to be in Iran on a bus headed to Turkey. You know, where, um, we, we, did you ever feel threatened during the bus, like the, your journey to Turkey? Did you ever feel like you were unsafe? Uh, yes, of course. But in other hand, also, I was thinking I'm very strong. I can do it. So it's kind of mixed feeling. I scare, but in the same time, I am very strong. I can make it. I can do it and take that money to my dad. That's who you're waiting <laughs> yeah, for, basically. Yeah. Were you in contact? I mean, it's not like, and this is the thing, it's not like it's, it's, it's 1981 in Iran. It's not like you have an iPhone and you can just, you know, yeah. conference call whoever you want, you know, get on a Zoom with a relative. <laughs> Were you in contact with your family over the three days or you had no idea? No, no idea. No. <laughs> Uh, they just knew I'm just living in that time, and when I'm going to stay, uh, coming to Turkey, they they didn't have any idea. Did they know where you were going to end up in Turkey? Yes, uh, even we when we feel after three days, we just came to Ankara, okay. and my dad think uh, just came to Ankara, but at that time I just went to Izmir with the train, so we didn't uh, catch up in Ankara. My dad was worried. What happened to him? Uh, hang on. So you were meant to stop in uh, you were meant to stop in Ankara, or you just kept going? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Iran uh, from Iran to Ankara. So from Ankara to Izmir, I have to catch the train. Another eight nine hours. Were you meant to get to Izmir? Was that the final yes, destination? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. And in that time, you didn't have any communication with no, anyone. No, there is no communication or anything. <laughs> it's 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 insane because. I still meet up with people. If I, I know if I was uh, you know, meeting up with someone in the city, you know, maybe 10 kilometers from their house and two kilometers from my house, yeah. you miss a phone call, someone's not there, you start panicking, you start losing your mind. Where is it? Where are you? We're late for this, blah, blah. You literally went from Iran to Izmir, Turkey yeah. with zero communication. And no language. That was the other thing I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, I, you said you had a brother studying in Turkey. Turkey, yeah. I, but you couldn't no, speak any Turkish at that no. point. No, no Turkish. So how did you get by? How did you get by? Where did you get food from for three days on a bus? Yeah, from bus just because the bus just, they they know where to stop. They stop and we get the food and for one hour we just stay there, go to toilet and come back to the bus. And that was it? Yeah. Did you have paperwork on you? Like, I mean, you're crossing international borders. Did you have a passport? Did you have ID? Yes, yeah, yeah, passport. uh, Was that checked all the way through? Uh, check yeah in the border they just open my uh, suitcase and yeah. everything yeah you weren't questioned though as in why you were going they just assumed it was because of war like yeah they didn't question me because I didn't I can't speak Turkish so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Izmir I am going to Izmir that's it <laughs> yeah that's it okay okay <laughs> when you got how did you feel when you got to Turkey when you got to Izmir like uh, I'm assuming your father was there waiting or yeah, my father, it was in Ankara. Oh, so the whole time. He didn't even make time. it to Izmir. Yeah. So, so what did you do when you got to Izmir? So I just went to Izmir, and after that, my father, they just called them, and they find out I am in Izmir, so my father came back to Izmir. Uh, I saw my sisters after two years, my brother. It was fantastic to see them again. And after a couple of hours, my father arrived to Izmir. So, Did you know what was going to happen from that point on? Next. Once you got to Izmir, did you have a plan? Did you know? I mean, you couldn't speak the language for one, mm-hmm. but you had your family there again, most of your family. Mm-hmm. What, were, what were you thinking after that? Like as far as your future, what, what, was, what were you going to do? Um, yeah, I didn't think about anything at that time. I just, I was happy I'm in Turkey and I'm just worried about my mom because she was by herself. Um, but... Uh, I, I thought this is the new life. That's it. Yeah, that's it. 
I'm young, I can do it, and this is my new life. So this is Turkey, I love it, everything is nice. People, they were nice, Turkish people, they are yeah. very kind. Of- I've been to Izmir, I loved it. Yeah. Everyone was really, yeah, yeah. Incredibly, even as a Greek in, in Turkey, everyone's incredibly friendly. Yes, yeah. Lovely and city. They, yeah. Did you have much connection to Iran after you left? No, I never go back. And never? Never. Is there anyone there left? Uh, at the moment, I have just one auntie. That's it? That's it. So everything you'd known for 17, 18 years, just, you left it all? Uh, yeah. How many, how many more people came across? Like after you left, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming your mother uh, came across as well? Yes. How much later did she come across? Uh, I think after uh, four or five months. Okay. Did she take the same journey that you same, did? Yeah, same journey. <laughs> <laughs> and were there many more people that – what happened to, say, all your your houses, all the, you know, the warehouses, all the stuff, your, your grant, like everyone? I have no idea what happened to my house. So that no one ever – No. And no one in the family – like. No, no one in your immediate family had any contact with anything in Iran after that. Uh, my fa- no, no friends of the family, no neighbors. Anything no like neighbors. That? Maybe just relatives. Some of our relatives, because uh, some of our relatives they were mes- Muslim, so they stay yeah, in Iran. They could, they could stay. Yeah, yeah, they could stay, and sometimes they came to Turkey to visit us after many years later. How long did it take for you to integrate into Turkey? I mean. How, how quickly do you think you learned the language? Let's start with the language. That's the yeah. biggest one. Yeah. Uh, maybe after six months. Six months? I mean, you were yeah, 17, 18, so you were getting ready to sort of go into uni. Sort yes, of yeah. I, I, was st- I was trying to get uni because even we couldn't stay in Turkey because we had to have a visa to stay in Turkey. That's why… Uh, you were basically on refugee status, but you weren't, you weren't at war. Like, as in, you didn't lose your house because of a war. You lost your house because you were persecuted because of your religion. Yes. That's, you can't, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's complicated even today. Like those sort of situations, people on refugee statuses, extremely complicated because people don't always qualify for being a refugee. You know, it's like, why did you leave your house? Well, you could, you could stay there. It's like, well, no, I couldn't. Oh, my house wasn't bombed. I was kicked out. It, it's a very gray area. And I can't imagine what it was like in 1981. Because obviously that's a couple of years before I was born, and it just it it just sounds insane. It sounds absolutely insane. How how long did it take for you to sort of get a visa and and get set up? Yeah, in uh, nineteen eighty one. After six months, I just learned the language and uh, study for uh, to get the uh, uni. So uh, I just accepted uh, business management in Ankara. So I was in Izmir, living in Izmir, but I had to move to Ankara by myself because I accepted there. And my sister accepted in Izmir, economy, something like that. Yeah. And my parents, because they couldn't get the, get students or any visa, they had to go to America because my, uh, my mom's relative, they live in America. So they sent an invitation for them. Oh, like a green card green sponsorship card, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they went to America and they live in America. So again, I mean, is I am in Ankara, <laughs> my sister and brother in Izmir, my parents in America. So how, how long? How quickly did your parents uh, go to America after you landed in Turkey? Uh, I think after um, after one year. But do, during this one year, uh, they had uh, because every three months they have to leave the Turkey. Oh, for the went, ongoing visa, just yes, to, yeah, yeah, to go to Cyprus and come back, and another three three mm, months they can stay. So after one year, they just left um, to, uh, Turkey and just went to America. Uh, so I just went to Ankara, and uh, after a f- couple of months, I just met my husband. Were you resign in your head? You'd already made that decision that I am now in Turkey. What what was in what was in Iran is is gone. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah, forget about everything. Whatever I had was my life and everything. I just because otherwise you can't live. Yeah, there was a con. It was, you have to. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to always constantly dwell on yeah. what could have been. 
Do you think the revolution, I mean, even looking back at it now, do you think the revolution was, it was going to happen regardless? I mean, the, the numbers are always disputed as in when, when a revolution or something like that happens, some people are shocked. You know, when the outside world looks at it, they're shocked. Like, oh, how did this even happen? They're tyrants, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you think Persian people were, as a whole, were gearing towards that revolution to have Khomeini come back and to have the Shah, you know, um, executed? Do you think the people in Iran at that time were unhappy with the government? And from what you can remember, or even mm-hmm. looking back now, I know it's a political question, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get the opinion of someone who was actually there, you know? I mean, you look, let's compare the situation in Melbourne right now. Every day you see the protests on TV for anti-vax or anti whatever it is. But the truth is 95% of the country has gotten vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's 5% that are arguing like the government right now. Mm-hmm. And every time you see on social media, someone sharing it, you know, all these sort of stuff that's going on where, you know, we're the unheard, the unspoken uh, majority and the, where's the support. Someone said to me, you know, uh, they didn't say it to me. I saw it on their social media. They said, oh, one-sixth of Victoria turned up to the protests in the city. That's not a majority. Yeah. One-sixth is nowhere near a majority. Yeah. Do you understand understand what I'm trying to say? But but in Iran, the majority wanted the Shah is gone and the Khomeini comes. Okay. They know they realize they've done the mistakes. And I think we we Iranian people, we deserve that. Because we wanted, not me, just yeah. As a, as <laughs> yeah. a, as a yeah. country, yeah. As a country, ninety percent of people they just wanted to the remove the, the they remove yeah. Uh, because they told them after the Khomeini comes, you are going to be richer. You are going to get the petrol money. Yeah, no. And uh, they were happy. So now they just realize why they done. It's it's honestly when I think about it, like in I mean, from what I know, and I compare the photos of pre-Iran and then post-Islamic Revolution, say you know, nineteen seventy-nine, it's two totally different worlds, to- totally different worlds. You'd never think they were the same country. Yeah. Over, you know, and even quickly. the people, they are different now. The new generation, the the way they thinking, everything is changed now. Do you, do you know anyone that has gone back? I mean, you said you've never returned. Have any of your siblings gone back? Has anyone ever gone back to see it? To to Iran? Yeah, some of our friends, they just go back. And, and no one ever saw anything to do with the houses or? That how? No. No. It just. Uh, I think uh, they just, I don't know, my house and because my house and uh, also the factory um, they just done the, um, I don't know, the school or whatever. They done different things. I'm, I'm just, I'm just stuck. It's just really, it's an, it's an insane thing to think that you have to leave everything behind that you've known to start over. Yeah, over, yeah. And start from zero. From zero. Yeah. How were you taken in Turkey? I mean, we, you've, started, you've said that you were well received by, by Turkish people. Was it long for everyone to fall into the Turkish sort of way, like I mean, your family, like your immediate family, that sort of starting off. Did everyone find jobs, educate, like schools? Did everyone get into routine, or was it hard, like assimilating? No, at that it, time. No, it was. It was. It wasn't that hard. Yeah, yeah. just my for my parents, they were obviously yeah, being, being just, older. Yeah, but for us, it was easy because we just learned the language in six months. Turkish language is easy to learn. And at that time, oh yeah, of course, I was seventeen, so yeah, you could, you could, learn yeah, it. learn easier, and yeah, no, it wasn't that hard. How do you feel towards, say, the Iranian government? I mean, you've said that as a people, they've accepted the fact that they made a, the revolution was a mistake, like it shouldn't have sort of happened. Mm-hmm. How do? You, what are your thoughts towards the Iranian government as a person? who was there for that long and left because being persecuted because of your religion. Do you have ill will towards it? Or it just doesn't exist anymore. Like that's it to you as a person. Does it make sense? I mean, yep. do you feel any malice towards a government that persecuted you because of your religion and you were forced to leave? Yeah, of, of course I have dub, 
down my heart always. Yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be something there. Yeah, something there. But I try not to and get the peace by myself and yeah. accept everything because that kind of thing is happened to. Yeah, it, it's just it's, it happens. It happens. It yeah. just happens. It happens. Yeah. So then, how do you feel? Because this is what really. This is why, one reason why I wanted to talk to you about this as well is because with everything that we've happened through, like with lockdown in Melbourne and everything that's happened, like from the start of lockdown with COVID and everything the government's done since then and moving forward and the protests, how does it make you feel when you see protests on TV for mm-hmm. things like masks? Yeah. You know, how do you take that as someone who has left a country and left everything in the middle of the night? How, do you, how does it make you feel? Yeah, Does it make sense? It doesn't make sense. It's funny because <laughs> it's very funny for for the not wearing the mask. They just go to the street and makes everything is difficult. And they asking for their right, human rights, but they don't understand. They just they take the other human rights because of them. Like, I've I've said this over and over again for the last you know nearly two years now. Every time I hear the word dictatorship, I laugh. I say, it's in, that's insane. You don't know what a dictator is. Khomeini was a dictator. Dan Andrews is not a dictator. A government that is trying to save you mm-hmm. and they're paying you money to stay home and order Uber Eats, that is not a government that's trying to kill you. Yeah. You woke up overnight and a factory was burnt and you literally left with a suitcase. Mm-hmm. You know, your family started you – know, I mean, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. If you compare that one it- – yeah. This, yeah. But that's the point. You have to compare it because people are using the same language. You know, mm-hmm. they're using the same language and they think they can get away with calling it the same circumstances. Mm-hmm. And when people have not lived something that you've had to go through, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, yes. it's just, it's infuriating because people like you exist all over the world. And I, I deal with it a lot, especially, especially being in Melbourne. We have a lot of refugees here coming from Africa, coming from the Middle East, coming from anywhere, you know. And people don't see these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas you literally had to leave everything you had and you just started over. You know, did you ever feel, um, after you were with your family, did you ever feel like it was ever going to go backwards or did you feel like you were go- it, it was going to progress? It was going to get better. Once you were in Turkey, mm-hmm. did you, I mean, it never felt like that was the end. You, f- you had hope to sort of build something. Yes, yes, of course. And that, that's sort of what I'm trying to trying to get at. People feel hopeless because they have to wear a mask, mm-hmm. whereas you're left in the dead of the night, you know, and three days without communicating with anyone, and you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I know, I know you've traveled, uh, you've lived in America, you've lived here, you've moved around a bit, you know, you've had opportunities, and that's from starting from nothing, mm-hmm. period, nothing. Yeah. How do you feel like looking back at that now, yeah, at the whole journey? Do you feel like you've... You made, I mean, you made the most of that cir- that circumstance. I mean, you were brave enough to get on that bus, you know. Mm-hmm. Can you compare it to? I'm just trying to think of a way to a way to word it. Yeah, life is always it's like that. This is life. One day you have everything, and next day you don't have. You have to start from zero. It's not end of the world. You have to start over again and. Each time you get more stronger. So you have to deal with it. I think that's the most... Uh, you have to accept it. I think that's the, the best piece. That's the, the strongest bit of advice anyone has ever said on five years of doing this podcast. You have to deal with it and yeah. you have to accept it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> and when you accept it, the good things is coming. You have to be strong and concentrate to something. And just go for it. And that good things is coming to you. It's never end of the world. I'm, I'm just humbled. That's the most positive thing anyone's ever said in this room ever. I'm serious. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming from a place even I couldn't even comprehend. That's so pure. Yeah. yeah for example, I just came to uh, Australia. So start over again. I didn't want to come to Australia because in Turkey... I was stable and everything. It was good. Yeah, it was set up. Set, yeah. set up, yeah, set up. And uh, just my husband wanted to come to Australia. So after um, 
um, different things. And after that, we just decided to come to Australia. How did you find coming to Australia? Um, it was hard again because I have to learn the language, to know the culture and start over again. And uh, I didn't want that. Um, but I just, I have to accept it. And I just uh, came with my husband and we start over again. And uh, yeah, I'm here. But the the things is, uh, um, after my husband passed away four years ago, so I just, uh, again, I have to start it. And this time I had to start from negative because always I start from zero, but this time negative because I lost something. So it takes longer. But that's the point. You just yeah. keep persevering. Yeah, to get, be positive and fight for the life. How did you find coming from, say, Turkey to here? I know it wasn't something you wanted to do initially. How were you received as you know, a Baha'i Iranian from Turkey when you got here? I mean, could you speak English when you got here? No. At all? At all. Just a little bit yeah, from uh, whatever, high school. Yeah, yeah little, little things. Yeah. How quickly did you find assimilating here? How did you feel you were – what year did you get to, to Melbourne? Yeah, ni- 1989, Monash was from 1990. So 1990. 19, yeah, 1991, something like that, yeah. Did you have issues assimilating here, I mean, with Australian culture? I mean, they would have looked totally different. Totally different, yeah. It was harder. It was harder. It was harder. Harder, yeah. When I went to Turkey, it was more easier because at that time I was younger and the culture, it was not much difference. Uh, but here, yeah, everything, it was difference. It was harder for me to, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine that because, I mean, I've, I've said this a couple of times over the last couple of days. Um, when people ask me, you know, what people always compare Greeks and Italians, you know, culturally. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, nah, okay, they're not the closest. They're not the closest. They're mm-hmm. the closest. I said, honestly, Turkish. Turkish people and Serbian people. Mm-hmm. If if Greeks and Turks had the exact same religion, we'd be exactly the same, a hundred percent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be a hundred percent the same. So yeah. that's why I'm I'm wondering what it was like coming here. I mean, obviously you're older, and it's a new country, new language again. Mm-hmm. What did you do to assimilate here? How did you find yourself coming into the system? I mean, did you have family here? Yeah, my brother. He was here. The only yeah, my brother. How did he? When did he get to? When did he get to Australia? Uh, um, like a long time before you? Or? Yeah, long time before me because he just finished the study, so that's why. So he left Turkey and came to, to Australia? Yeah. Okay, so you had someone here to sort mm-hmm. of help mm-hmm. you in. Did you, do the, did, you, did you do what you could to assimilate into Australian culture? I mean, like with friends, work, like all that sort of stuff? Or did you stay, try and find similar people like Iranians, people in, that were Baha'i as well? How did you sort of get into the, into the mix? Yeah, I try to be mixed with the Australian people because that that the only way we could uh, adapt adaptation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it wasn't easy, but my husband because at that time because I had a husband, so it was more easier. Yeah, it was a different it was a different yeah. dynamic. I mean, yeah. when you went to Turkey, it was you yeah. were a kid. Yeah, you know? and I'm by myself. I had yeah. to decide whatever to do and that kind of things. But this time, because my husband, we we plan, we plan, and we decide, and we do together. That's why it's a little bit easier for me. All responsibility it was it wasn't in my shoulder. Do you think Australia has offered you as many opportunities as you could possibly sort of have? For you, your life, your families. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, if there was other countries, if in if you were in Iran, okay, and then you had to go to Turkey, and let's say you, you know, you're a young woman, would Australia have been one of the better places to come at that point, whether you wanted to or not at that time? Would it have been the right choice, as in what you know about this country moving forward and everything you've done here? Would you say Australia is? As as someone who's escaped a country because of persecution, mm-hmm. is Australia one of the, the better places to actually come, to set up a family, to set up a house and all that sort of thing? Definitely, yes, yeah. 
definitely they just australia just give everyone the opportunity to start over again and live yeah definitely how do you feel know <laughs> 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 you, you said you were worried about not remembering things but i think you've remembered more than, than when you're asking question yeah it yeah. just comes to my mind but if i think all over again everything is just <laughs> this is something i didn't get to ask before I mean, you were targeted, obviously, like once it all came in. Did you find people that you knew turning on you personally? I mean, obviously, you lived in a neighborhood that was Baha'i, but you would have had Muslim friends. I mean, you lived mm-hmm. in Iran. Mm-hmm. Did you find people's attitudes just change towards you? Because they had to. There was no choice. Yeah, they, they had to. And they, because they could kill us in the house, but they said you, you should go out. They gave you the chance to get yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they kill, and they they might be um, killed my dad. Yeah, but they didn't for whatever reason. Yeah, they, yes, it was yeah. spared. Yeah, so they had to. Yeah. I, I I have no words. I'm really, I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's just um, yeah. All I can say is thank you, like for actually coming down and sharing this. Thank you, for <laughs> asking me. <laughs> no, I I've stressed this. Like I've heard this story before. Like as in not all of it. But I've heard the general sort of, I know I have an idea of what you sort of passed, but it never occurs to you that of this journey that you've had? Yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking, but uh, that today I just, you give me, I be- become more positive because what I've done, it's big things actually. It is. I'm proud of myself actually. You, no. you have to be. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. You have to be. Yeah. And now I'm just thinking I can't do it. At the moment, I can't do anything. What do you mean? For example, just by myself, go to um, bus for three days, three nights, and just s- go to another country. It's it's not easy. No. Scary. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, how did I do that? Strength. <laughs> Literally strength. Yeah. I mean, you were given that choice. When you, yeah. When you had to do something. When you, do, you yeah. when you don't have any option, you have to do it. But but that's that, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. But you just you seize the the moment of whatever yeah. it was, and that's the end of it. Yeah. To sh- to be able to rebuild three times over in you know a lifetime, it's that's commendable. That that's incredible strength that most people would never have, never understand, because most people don't have the strength to start over. And that's what's annoying, especially with lockdown. Everyone's saying my business is shut and this is, and I've lost this. And I said, yeah, but you didn't lose your life, you know? Yeah. And that's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've honestly never looked back to just take that all in? No. no. Just sometimes talking with the friends. And Obviously, this yeah. happened, but it wasn't that just makes me move. I just move. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for coming down. Thank you very much for inviting. My pleasure, honestly. Hold up.